Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Great movies need great actors and scripts and all that stuff, but having a great director behind the camera can make great movies into classics. A great director can make a bad movie okay. And to be fair, great directors can also make bad movies. But we are here to celebrate the director. Here's 10 directoral facts and... Action! Thank you. Right. John Ford has won the most Academy Awards for Best Director so far with four. Action! Legendary filmmaker Elia Kazan holds the record for most competitive wins in this category, winning all four of his nominations. Action! Catherine Bigelow is the first woman to win an Oscar in 2010 for The Hurt Locker. Action! Steven Spielberg is the most successful director with his films earning over $10 billion. Action! William Bodine is the most prolific director at 350 movies, a feat that couldn't be matched today. Action! Manuel Del Oliveira was 103 when he directed Gibo and the Shadow, making the oldest person ever to direct a movie. Action! Guinness World Records name Love You Baba director Sogat Bista the youngest director at a professionally made feature film, noting that he was seven years and 340 days when Love You Baba was released in cinemas on the 12th of December 2014. Action! UA, is it UA or Uwe Boll, who fired off loads of movie game remakes in the early 2000s, was voted the worst director of all time, but still made a whopping 34 movies. Action! Director Simon Wells has the honour of directing the biggest flop. Under the Zemeckis umbrella, he directed the animated Mars Need Moms. Mars Needs Moms, costing $150 million to make, but only made $39.5 million at the box office. Action! And James Cameron has the pleasure of the highest grossing movie of all time with Avatar at $2.9 billion. In fact, Cameron has three in the highest grossing films of all time at positions one, three, and four. <sighs> okay, that's a wrap. Thank you very much. That is a wrap. <laughs> Oh, my Lord. Uh, you'll find out at the end of the podcast how many times it took me to actually get that right. But, uh, yes, we're doing t- we're doing one of the big ones again. I always find, like, I think, the greatest song ever, greatest movie ever, greatest directors of all time is one of the big ones. And we thought only one person can join us. It's Tophead Rick. Hello, Rick. <laughs> hey, how you doing? You all right? Oh, 
I'm better now the podcast has started. I mean, that was a shit show from start to finish. No, it was great. It was great. I mean, it, it was funny, actually, that, that Uwe Boll fact. I was thinking, like, oh, God, the worst director I can think of is Uwe Boll. And then you came up with the facts. So I was like, okay, there you we'll, go. we'll align then. <laughs> we will thank Neil for that. Neil did write those facts. Um, so thank yeah. you for that, Neil. Um, you should put what the pronunciations are for me just uh, so i know i'm sure i've got gibber and the shadow wrong it was probably something else um <laughs> now i can't remember was this this was this your recommendation to do this one i think this was yeah um yeah i just i just i was every single suggestion i give you is usually based around movies so i, I look at all the other ones you got like music and everything and i'm just like oh yeah i mean i could do that but i'll probably do like a movie suggestion instead <laughs> so um but yeah no i just uh yeah i mean why not why not let's see let's see where uh, where it all lands with with directors because there's so many good ones you know well i mean i was gonna say so so what would what would you what would be your description as a good director are you looking for something with yeah. The way they tell the story, the way they set up their shots. What, what's your definition? I think, again, it's a really, it's not a simple answer, is it? It's basically, it's, it's quite personal. And I also think it's a combination of hit rate. So like how many great movies they've made, how many sort of classic movies. You, you could be a good director and make a few movies, but if you've made five movies and three of them are stone cold classics, you could get in the list. Um, and I think it's it's awards won. It's a combination of loads of different things. I, I would say I, th I wouldn't say it's just one thing. Yeah. Now, because I, yeah. I I had Mel Gibson in my top ten. Oh wow, that's it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, fair enough. But he, I mean, he's done two movies that I think are, like Braveheart and Apocalypto. Um, say three, The Passion yep. of the Christ, that yep. are like just stone cold classics. Yeah. I mean, they they are they are uncomfortable to watch. But yep. they are just shot in a way that are just epic. They're just epic movies. Yep. But I thought that three wasn't enough to See, get him the in the pantheon of greatest directors yeah. of all time. I think I think that's the thing. I think um, I, I'm kind of with you on that. I, I, but then again, if you put Mel Gibson like at like number nine or something and went, well, actually, he did Braveheart. Honestly, I love Braveheart, so I would have been like, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, that all will blow out of the water when I say what my number 10 is in regards to like classic oh, movies. <laughs> and no, so I, I can't wait for this. <laughs> yeah. It's going to, it's going to be right back there with, um, with having Muppet Christmas Carol higher than The Shining in the top 10 ghost movies. Look, Muppets Christmas Carol for me is a stone cold classic. So I'm right there with you on that. That's yeah. Absolutely fun. Yeah. I mean, it made, it made Tim Downey just like, puke in disgust when he was the guest of that when he the, the look on his face of horror was just uh was was terrible um okay well we've got things we've got the quiz to do a little bit later on as well so it'll just right. be you doing that so we'll see how many you can get out of uh i think i've got 10 yeah we've got 10 so we'll right. do that a little bit uh later on but kick us off with your number 10 then rick okay so my number 10 is ridley scott oh that's my number four. Oh, right okay right so, I mean, Ridley Scott, I, I, I love him. I think he is, and if you've ever seen him interviewed, he's like a gruff Yorkshire sort of doesn't take any shit. Like what um, I say and say what I bloody yeah, well like. Yeah. Yeah. And he's always got like, like a cravat on or something like that. And he's very sort of, you know, to the point. I, look, I mean, he, he's visually, he's stunning, isn't he? He's mm. absolutely stunning. I think he's, he was, I think he was a four, if, I think I'm right when, in saying he's a former art director. Or he comes from a, a background where he was basically very visual with the things he was doing. But I just think, um, I mean, you've got Blade Runner, Alien. Um, Alien is just, for me, it's an absolute masterpiece of the haunted house genre. I think yeah. it's 
it's still and they were making that, that I mean, if you've seen the behind the scenes i'm sure you have but the you know the the budget they had for what he did on the budget they had was absolutely mind-blowing it, um, yeah absolutely yeah and i just think that um and obviously he's got gladiator you know going way back he did legend with tom cruise which is a little bit of a guilty pleasure i think neil actually quite likes that doesn't he i, I think he does i've never yeah. seen it, it only, not, mainly no. because i'm scared of tim curry in it he's, he's <laughs> I mean, frightening again, as fucking that <laughs> so visual so visual um and then the martian is a recent one that i really really the more i watch it the more i'm I, I like the fact that it's kind of like one of those movies that it, it you think it's going to end in a kind of a, oh, everyone dies, or oh, he dies. No, it actually ends on a really nice note. And I think, oh, good on you for making a movie, actually, that is really happy and good. Yeah. So I think he's, he sort of does that thing. And again, visually stunning. So I think he's a really talented director. I think there's, there's a few movies he's made that have sort of, Kingdom of Heaven being one of them, which is a little bit, um, it just sort of has a bum note. So he's a bit hit and miss. But I think in terms of a visual storyteller he's absolutely fantastic so yeah what, what do you think well i'm i'm of the same i can remember seeing an interview where he was talking about they were working on alien um because i think it came out in 78 was it i think alien something like that yeah 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 it was after star wars wasn't it 79 was. 79. 79 but yeah. he watched star wars and his heart sank because that was exactly the look that he was looking for for alien is in it wasn't it wasn't shiny space stuff. It was lived yeah. in. It yes. was like, you know, gritty. There's rust and there's dirt. And he, I can always remember him saying that he saw that and he thought, shit, we're going to need to try and do something, you know, even better because they've just done what I, the, the visual of it was exactly what I wanted. Yeah. But for somebody that, that came, if you look at it, so I was looking at it, so it was, he did Alien, then he did Blade Runner. Oh, incredible. incredible. Uh, then he did Legend. Um, Did he really? So Legend was after them. Legend was after those, yeah. Someone to oh, watch yeah, over yeah. me. Black Rain, which is great. Thelma and Louise, yeah. which is great. Thelma and Louise, yeah. He, he he had a great run. Um, but I mean, the one thing he he does different kinds of movies. I mean, the one thing I I I was watching some clips of Napoleon, which is is the latest oh, I mean, one. I really enjoyed that when I saw it. I Have you I seen it? Have you? I've not I've seen, seen it. it. Yeah, yeah. I I went in expecting something totally different to what I got. Right, and like the one thing that puts me off watching it is a lot of people have said because I want I would love to learn about Napoleon and find out, but they say that it's it's not historical historically accurate at all. No, you don't go into it expecting a history lesson. Yeah, so I <laughs> yeah. kind of think, oh, what's the point then? Why do a Napoleon movie if you're not gonna? I mean, I know that like Braveheart plays with you know history yeah. and stuff like that, but it kind of makes you think, well, what's the point then? Why not just do some period piece that's not necessarily about Napoleon if you're not gonna teach people about napoleon but i mean Honestly, i'm assuming so as an action film or something is it is it really really good so so i went into that um weirdly i, I usually go i don't know what you're like but i usually research into movies and i look at reviews and i, you I, know, I read things before i go in but i didn't with that and i went oh, right napoleon mine and I, I i honestly didn't know what to expect and i remember sitting down and going oh jesus this is like three hours long i really hope it's good and i and i i think because i went in with that mindset and with the mindset, I think, um, of people going, it's not historically, uh, historically accurate. It's not um, something that you, you want to watch for a, a deep character study of Napoleon or anything like that. I was like, oh, God, I'm not, I'm not sure what to expect. But then when I watched it, it was it was kind of, it, it has a, an element of the Martian about it, where you oh, watch right. it and you're entertained. And it's about Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, he's amazing yeah. in it. He is amazing in it. And also, the, his uh, female co-star, his wife in it, is absolutely amazing in it. And it's just about him. 
it's not really even about the the the, the wars and everything is almost like that that's just the time sort of um you know that's the plot basically that sort of hangs the plot off and it's just it's just really entertaining that's the best thing i can say about it it's really really good and i i did enjoy it because my expectations weren't that high yeah so it's very it's really entertaining it's good some it's, people it's, that it's, i saw online like was fun. were saying that like it's it's really funny in places as well it's almost a comedy in places really yeah yeah it's it's all it's like a comedy braveheart is the best is way it? i can describe <laughs> it <laughs> i mean yeah i mean i mean there's I think with a lot of the directors that I've got in mind, that they've all got like their favorite actors they like to work with, and I think with with Ridley Scott, someone like um, Russell Crowe is definitely somebody that he likes to work with. Yeah. Um, Robin Hood was okay. Um, okay it, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Prince of Thieves guy anyway, so yeah, I, I, mean, I like. I'm with you. I like that kind of thing. And then when he went back into the Alien with Prometheus, and what was the one after that? Alien yeah. Covenant. Other than for me, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't really rate them. No, I didn't. It kind of like it's, it's the the beauty of Alien is you just it's like Jaws. You don't see him all the you know see the monster all the time, and that makes it even more. It's when you start picking the whole, uh, just the, the you know the, you know the prequel of it all, and kind of this is the reason that that I, I don't want to know that the mystery is what is so absolutely correct. Yeah, it doesn't need a backstory, does it? No, so you don't need to know why the alien is there. You just need to know it's there. That's it. I completely agree. But yeah, that's a good one to start off. Uh, yeah, that was my number four. Your number ten. Okay, my number ten. Uh, Tim Downey, if you're listening, I apologize with all the things I was saying about great directors, but I have to put this man in my top ten. Because I listen to his movies every night when I go to bed. So it's Gerald Thomas, who is the director of the Carry On movies. <laughs> Brilliant. Now, they say that the hardest thing to do is comedy. Yeah. And I completely I completely agree because the, the amount of bad comedies that you can see. And it's all about timing. It's all about showing what they need to show and i can remember again there was a uh, an interview with gerald thomas and he was they were talking about comedy i mean i don't know how long he's been dead now but they, he was talking about like modern day comedy compared to comedy you know the carry-ons and he was saying that they just don't keep the camera on people long enough mm. for when there's a joke let mm. the joke breathe and have the reaction of the person they don't. They, it's quick cuts, and it's 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 all over I, the place. I would, I would I would actually back you up on that. They do the same with action now. It's too many cuts, too many. They don't just keep it focused on the thing that's happening, which yeah. is exactly the same as comedy. Yeah. Totally yeah, agree. and and I know it's it's like low hanging fruit, and I know that it a, a lot of it is um, un PC in what you think about these days. And when they show it on, <clears throat> I think they still show it on ITV three when it's a bank holiday, and they'll have that little card at the start saying you know this movie depicts is from a different time and you know they're a different and they always cut out the really bad bits <clears throat> but it, it makes me say i mean it is something of the 60s and 70s you know and it's all very ooh misses and uh, cleavage and um, wrong with that. i mean that's just from the time it, it was it is it, it is yeah. but i absolutely and anybody who listens to this podcast knows how much i love the carry-on movies and i think as uh, there's a there's a certain knack to uh, showing comedy great on a on a screen, and Gerald Thomas had that. He knew where to put the camera. He knew how long to keep the camera on someone's face for a certain punchline. 
for a certain set piece. So he was actually my first name on my top 10. Oh, but wow. I did genuinely think there are there are a lot of directors here that are like Oscar winning directors that are not in my top 10. And Gerald Thomas is there at number 10. I thought <laughs> he had to make it, but just by his fingertips clinging on to number 10. But I so, think that's really good. Like, did, did he direct all, like, most of the carry He directed every single one of them, I believe. Every single one of them. Wow, every really single one. Wow. So it was, okay, it so. was his. I'm, I'm pretty sure he did. So you build up a rapport with the cast. So obviously that that comic timing, he will know them inside and out. Which yeah. Is really, really, you know that that that's a that's a relationship, which is which is something that you don't really get nowadays. Actually. I mean, yeah, yeah. So he did do Carry On Columbus. So he did right from Carry On Sergeant, which was the first one, to Carry On Columbus. Um, he did he did direct. Obviously, did directed directed other things as well. But he did the the uh, like the carry on TV show, bless this house. And a lot of that's, he had a type of project to work on. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, um, yeah I mean, he, he is a legend in my eyes, so I'm going to have him in there. So uh, your number nine then, please, Rick. Okay. So my, my number nine is James Cameron. There you go. See, he's not in my top 10. <laughs> <laughs> I hope, do you know what? I almost had um, Christopher Nolan in. But um, this is a this is a massive segue. But Christopher Nolan, when he did Tenet, which I thought, Neh. and then I saw Oppenheimer, and honestly, I was bored to tears with Oppenheimer. And really? Just, yeah, and and for those reasons, he just edged out my top ten. Even though I think he's a fantastic director, so James Cameron slid in there. The reason being, you know, Terminator, obviously, amazing movie. I mean, for someone who is he's such a sci-fi um pioneer in the way he directs things and just i mean the terminator is just absolutely fantastic and he saw something on Schwarzenegger that obviously catapulted him to superstardom then t2 aliens and the story of aliens is um have you heard the story when he pitched it to the um i think it was uh, i can't remember it was 20th century fox or something like that. it was yeah yeah but, yeah but he walked in to the room and he basically just went alien he, he put a, like a little flip chart on he wrote alien and then he just put an s on the end with a dollar sign on it <laughs> fair just play aliens there yeah, you yeah. Go. like just more than one um but yeah and then obviously you've got um he's, he's done a fit to be honest with you he did true lies which i love i think it's brilliant then he did the well he didn't then he did the abyss but he did the abyss and then after that I know he's got the highest grossing movie with Avatar, which you touched on in your um, your facts. But I think he's been one of these one of these directors that I've I've kind of wanted him to come back to directing, and he's kind of gone into this technological side of things recently, which is a shame. Mm. I just want him to get back into directing again. Yeah, yeah. show me something like Terminator, or you know, um, just some just something, anything, just 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 do directing again rather than sort of you know subsume yourself into this technological mm. side of it. And I think Avatar's fine. It's okay. Um, I thought I enjoyed it, but um, but that's why he's number nine. I, I think he's an innovator and he's a fantastic director. Apparently, he's a bit of a tyrant as well. But yeah, that's why he's number. And nine. And you missed Titanic, of course, as well. I missed Titanic on purpose. Number yeah, one, I know that Neil hates it. That's right. He absolutely <laughs> does. He absolutely does. Yeah. Um, I, I can appreciate it for what it is. I'm not a big fan. I think no. it's a good story. It's fine. But yeah, you know, yeah. I, I just think he's a fantastic director and so much talent. Um, and I just think he needs to come back into directing again. So. I think I think visually he's he's one of the best. Absolutely, I think it's the like they said. I mean, Avatar is basically dances with wolves, but with yeah. with blue cats. 
Um, and you and you could you know Titanic is just a love story, but it's got amazing yeah. special effects that looks amazing. You know, it looks yeah. just out of this world. So, although saying that, I kind of feel like Gerald Thomas, James Cameron, even just for Terminator, Terminator Two, and Aliens, you kind of think, and True Lies again. Yeah, you kind of yeah. think, yeah, yeah, I've dropped a bollock on that one. <laughs> and <laughs> hey, I feel like your, that's not going to be the first part. time I said that. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, every time you come with one that I haven't got, it's going to be like, yeah, yeah, possibly. Hey, we haven't got down the list yet. You'll probably be like, what are you talking about? I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, dear. Anyway, but that is a good one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but like we said in the in the, in the the facts, you know, he's got three of the highest grossing films in the top four. Well, that's the thing. I mean, he, he obviously knows how to make a movie. Yeah. He definitely does. And and and, he, and a lot of directors will buckle under. If, if you gave him, I don't know, $500 million and went, right, make a blockbuster about this, he just goes, yeah, okay. Yeah. And does it. And it's yeah. successful. And you go, okay. So he's he's definitely got the um, the talent to do it. And, I, yeah, I just wish he would back away from this Avatar obsession he's got a little bit. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he's too far into it now, though, isn't he? Because they're I talking so. about you know, three, four, five five or whatever unless he hands it over to somebody yeah. but it's his baby now that he's not going to want to hand it over is he you would you, you yeah. wouldn't think yeah um but no great one okay my number nine uh edgar wright i'm going for it's a really good one um i don't I, apart from um uh, what was his last one called was it last exit to soho or something like that oh yes um oh bloody hell christ yeah, I know what you mean, though. I know, yeah, I know that's mean. that's the one I haven't seen, but the rest of his movies and what I lo- there, there are certain directors I love because I love the way that they shoot stuff, and obviously Edgar Wright in with Spaced that was his style, the quick cuts and the yeah. and the the pans across that then go on to something else. He brought that straight into Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz um, and The World's End and the Cornetto trilogy. It's, it's a great trilogy. It's it's just, I mean, The World's End's probably the, the weakest of the three. Weakest, yeah, but I mean, what a trilogy still. Yeah, and then Baby Driver was another one that was like, it was just, I mean, the story again was okay, but it is just the way that it's shot. There are certain car shots in there that are just, just spellbinding, you know? And I love that kind of stuff from a director, stuff that they will look at a scene and think, right, what well, the easiest way of doing it is this. But let's have a look and see if we can do it like that. Yeah. And it's just something a little bit. I'll tell you one thing that may, reminds me of that is um, Danny DeVito. He directed War of the Roses. Have you ever seen that? It was a Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner film. Oh, wow. And he he directed it. And there were certain shots. There was a shot of somebody, they were having a fight. And I think it's Kathleen Turner throws a plate at Michael Douglas. And the camera, it's like the camera is on the plate. And you can see this, the plate spinning towards like its victim. Yeah. And you yeah. sort of think, I wonder, somebody obviously thinks that. So you must think, let's try and make this shot really interesting. Yeah. So let's put the yeah. camera on, the, you know, set it up so it looks like the camera's on the plate. And I love those kind of little, those things that make a director a little bit different to somebody else, you know, somebody that would think about a shot a little bit differently. And Edgar Wright is, is, is that for me. I, I totally agree. I mean, I, that's a really good shout. And I'm kicking myself actually a little bit that he's not on my list. Um, <laughs> But um, I really love um, that bit in Hot Fuzz where he travels out of the city and into the rural part of England. And it's just the cuts of... And his phone bars go down to no signal. And then he's sitting at the train with the plant and then it just goes... And he wakes up because the train comes and it's just all those little things. I think that's absolutely fantastic. It could have just been one of those very uh, traditional movie 
sort of you know transition things of the car driving into the city and then panning up to the city or panning out to the you know didn't do that no and that is really the amount of effort and work to go into to, to doing that as well but you could just get a b sort of like a, a b crew to go out and just go okay right just film that no worries. But yeah. he didn't do that. And I think that's the, the, the sort of attention to detail that he has is fantastic. Mm. And Scott Pilgrim as well. Oh, Scott I love Scott Pilgrim that movie. versus the It's such a good movie. And it absolutely movie. bombed at the cinema. I know, but, but it's so good. It's so good. And the one thing, the one regret of everything is not knowing what the uh, Edgar Wright Ant-Man movie would have been like. Because oh, yeah, that was the original one that he was supposed to originally write. I think he was writing it with Joe Cornish. Um, uh, he's supposed to be directing it, and then obviously it it, it didn't happen. But he yeah, Joe Cornish actually didn't he do Attack the Block? Joe Cornish. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So the, I mean, that's those similar-ish sort of styles. Yeah, oh, what a movie that would have been. Actually, that would have been fantastic. Yeah, I would. I would have just to read the script to see what their take on it would have been. Yeah, you know, and and then obviously with his style, I don't suppose it wouldn't have worked for a Marvel movie. That's why it didn't happen. But anyway, who knows? Yeah. Uh, okay, then your number eight, then please. Okay, my number eight is Alfred Hitchcock. I've got him at number six. Oh, okay, similar, similar-ish. Yeah, I, I think um, he's there because I just think as an innovator, um, I mean, we talk about the crane shot in Notorious. He did all those different sort of things. He was just, when they talk about the master of suspense, you know, they, it's a moniker that he has because it's it's true. He he was, you know, I've I've watched so many of his movies, like North by Northwest, obviously Psycho, Rear Window, Vertigo. There's so many movies he's done, but every single one, he is just he's always in control. And apparently, again, a little bit like Cameron, bit of a tyrant behind the camera. Mm-hmm. But you know, he just, I think he said quite famously that he uses actors as just that you're just my tool. And I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to do it. And that's it. Exactly. Yeah. But, but that's a guy with a vision, I think. And rightly or wrongly, whether whether you disagree or agree with his methods, um, probably not very nice at the time and still not very nice when you look back yeah. at it. But what what a fantastic visual, um, you know, master of what he was doing. And there was no one to touch him. And there's still probably not many people that touch him right now. And I just think he has to be in there, basically. I mean, he's part of... Like pop culture, isn't he? And there's yeah. so many scenes and so many um, clips and and visions and and images that are just yeah. part of everyday life. I mean, any time that you see something from The Simpsons where they've taken, so especially the psycho shower yeah. scene, yeah, they yeah, did their yeah. own version of it. And, and so many other cartoons will take bits from Hitchcock. He is the master of a lot. Um, and I, I never got to be on the top ten. Hitchcock um podcast I, I couldn't make that one but it's 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 he has to be in there doesn't he I mean I I, I will say I, I haven't watched as many Hitchcock movies as a lot of people yeah. but the ones that everybody know knows about you know it's it's hard to pick somebody that I mean, he was a trailblazer I think I think without him certain other directors wouldn't have taken up the absolutely not no you know the mantle no. so but, but yeah, just, I completely agree. Yeah, what's yeah, your favorite yeah. Hitchcock movie? I really, I I think Rear Window for me. I just I, I watched that. I did a photography um, degree, and I was just I was trying to just immerse myself in movies. Um, Paris, Texas was one because it was just so visually stunning. Blue Velvet and Rear Window, and I watched mm. Rear Window, and it was just the fatty frames, and that that set was built. That's right. It was, it was just built from scratch, and it's mm. just like Jesus Christ, that's that's incredible, and all these different people and all these different. You know, because it's photography I was doing, all these different you know, windows and you know, apertures into people's lives and all this stuff. 
But it was just, I love that movie. And I think it's James Stewart, isn't it? That's right, yeah. And um, who's the girl in it? What's her it's name? It's Grace Kelly, I think. Grace isn't it? Kelly. Yeah. She ended up marrying the Prince of Monaco. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was, I, I, I just think that movie is just, it's just a masterclass in how to weave an unexpected, strange, tension-filled story. And it's, it's so strange. And the fact that he's sort of incapacitated with his broken leg as well, you know, it's just there's loads of things going on there. Mm. I love that movie. I think it's great. And um, and also even just going back to Psycho as well, like you never see the knife strike. It's always no. cut away. It always cuts away. So you think you see what you're seeing. So he sort of, it's just loads of things like that. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. I, I think Rear Window is my favourite. And it's the fact, it, like, yeah. like you say, I... I a lot of times when I'm watching movies, I will jump onto IMDb and look at the, look at the information yeah, yeah. stuff to see background. And they were saying about how they built that all in like a studio, and it. Was... But when you watch it and you know that, and then you look down the side of the building, and there are people walking down the street that's behind the building. Yeah, you think there's just that little mind, those minute details. And I'll talk about minute details with somebody else that's going to be in my top ten, which probably will be in your top ten as well, but. It's like you say, you don't, when it's showing the whole building, you don't quite know where to look. But Hitchcock does something that makes you look at a certain part of the building. You know, it, it, he, he leads your eye. And that is, that's the gift, is that thing of like, I'm going to show you this bit now. Even though the, everything's there, that's where you should be looking. And that's where you should be looking. And I love that kind of stuff. And I think, and I'm a massive James Stewart fan as well. And I think he's great in that. Oh, James Stewart, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, that like descent into madness where he doesn't know whether he's seen something or not, and he's like, yeah, he, he can't do anything about it because he can't go anywhere. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing, and, and it's just that little sort of um, that little detail of him being being like you say, he can't go anywhere that adds there's just that layer of tension. It's like yeah. if this goes wrong, you can't run away. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's just, a, but it's a little thing, but it's a huge thing at the same time. It's it's so good. It's, yeah, it's and fantastic. he's also got Grace Kelly just throwing herself at him, and you think, oh my yeah. god. Um, Lucky guy, really. Very lucky guy. <laughs> <laughs> Always oh. in really big dresses as well. Like she's dressed to the nines every time she comes around. Yeah, I think that was just a like a fifties thing, wasn't it? People yeah, just yeah, always yeah. dressed up to the nines, and if they were just yeah. going down to the shops, they would. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, my number eight um, is Francis Ford Coppola. Ah, um, so that is. Um, where is that? That is my number. Oof. I think it's my number six. Your number six. Okay. Um, I mean, he could just be in the top 10 for the Godfather part one and two. Yes. He could just be in there for that, but you've got apocalypse now, um, Dracula, which I, I love his version of Dracula. So do I. Yeah. I absolutely, I think yeah. it's just, it's just sumptuous, but it's it, there's it's just the gothic feeling of it, which obviously I mean it's Dracula, is going to. But I, I, and Anthony Hopkins just hams it up as really Van Helsing. He's like, he's so I'm good. Hammer House of Horrors it up. Yeah, very good. <laughs> I like that. Very good. Um, but as somebody, that, I mean, it's weird that you go from from that to Jack, which was the Robin Williams. <laughs> I just I was I was looking I was going through his um his uh, movie like filmography before and I saw that and I went oh my god really yeah it's it's very 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 strange but um but yeah like I say even just Apocalypse Now and Godfather and it would be enough to put you in the top ten of greatest directors I think because something like Apocalypse Now I think almost killed him 
making that movie. Else. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and The Godfather is just it's 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 set above everything else. It's just that that kind of those kind of movies. Number three, maybe. What, what do you make of number three? How do you view that now with a bit of distance and time? And I don't know. I, I find, I think the trouble was at the time it was the Sofia Coppola of it all and the fact that she wasn't very good at acting. She was terrible. Yeah, and it kind of, I think it kind of distracted everybody. I don't think it's a bad movie. I don't. You know, I just, and I think it kind of rounds off Michael Corleone's story and it's quite, quite apt, spoilers, you know, that he, that he dies in the vineyard by himself a little bit like the way he, his father did you know there's a kind of poetry to it all rather than dying in a hail of bullets which is you kind of expect you know the head of a mafia uh, family to do um but i think I, I look at it as a whole thing i think as a whole trilogy i think it's it's great but but number one and number two are such high bars that you know they're so good that they're basic for me. It's it's almost it's almost like a mirror of the, the original Star Wars trilogy, where one is a trailblazing, fantastic thing, two is unbelievably good, and three is really good, but people sort of sort of shit on it a little bit. And and it's like actually on reappraisal, it's okay. Also, when he dies in the third one, he's holding an orange and he drops the orange on the floor, which is the symbol of death in the whole thing, isn't it? Whenever people are looking at oranges, which is I think that's a really nice sort of detail. Yeah. I must admit, the part in Godfather 3 when all the Ewoks came around was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> when, the, when the Ewoks tried to take over a mobiliare. That's exactly. <laughs> nub nub. <laughs> and they, just, they all get shot to shit. I mean, it was terrible. But uh, it was a bloodbath, it was. Yeah. Very good. Okay, so that was my number eight. So your number seven then, please, Rick. Okay, my my number seven is uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh yeah, he was close to mine. Yeah, and I just and he's he's just I, I rewatched Boogie Nights recently, and I was just blown away a little bit. And I, I listen to movie podcasts anyway, but they were talking about the fact that when when he wrote that and when he directed Boogie Nights, he was something stupid like twenty five or twenty six. Yeah, he was crazy, isn't it? Crazy how ridiculously young he was. I mean, I was twenty five and twenty six. I was going to the pub and you know I was. You know, I was playing on video games, probably still watching <laughs> movies like Star Wars. This guy's directing a fantastic movie with these stars, and he's he's doing it. It's not only a good job; it's a fantastic job. Mm. So he's just sort of, you know, supernaturally talented as as a, as a director. And then he's gone on, obviously, to do, um, you know, There Will Be Blood. He did Magnolia, which, obviously, you know, going back to Neil, he, he loves that movie as I, well. I love Magnolia as well. I, that was your that was our number one what was your number one tom cruise you guys tied didn't you yeah yeah i think so yeah i've, I've watched it since i've re i've rewatched it since actually because i watched it a long time ago and my god that's that's fantastic that's an amazing movie mm. he's I, I just think he there's more to come from him as well he did punch drunk love um with um and he saw something in adam sandler which which again is when you when you get a director to to tease a performance out of adam sandler that's absolutely fantastic you go oh okay right you you know you sit up and take notice I just think he's fantastic. Um, and I think, like I say, I think the potential is there for him to do even better stuff as well. Um, I think the last thing he did was Phantom Thread. That's right. I've never seen that, but Neil, I think Neil has said it's great. I've never seen that. No, I've no. never seen I need to watch that. But I just think he could be one of those guys that just, like again, he'll make an, another There Will Be Blood in about five or six years and it will just be incredible. So, mm. yeah, I think he's in the, he's in the I mean, I could, I could watch the first half an hour of There Will Be Blood 
like over on a loop over the bit where it's there's no talking no and talking. it's it's just uh, Daniel Day Lewis just trying to get whatever it is gold or oil from the, the it's just I find it mesmerizing that just to watch it because there's no there's just a little bit of I think it's Trent Reznor that does the uh, soundtrack yes. isn't it and it's just, I don't know what it is about it but but he is so good I mean Punch Drunk Love is great it's a great movie and like I say um yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he's one of those ones that you give him another 10, 15 years, he's just going to come out with great stuff all the time. But he's not very pro- prolific, is he? That's the thing. He's not. He's, he is very much a, he's, weirdly, he's a very uh, sort of Daniel Day-Lewis of a director, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. About the things he does. Um, but I, yeah, like, just like you say, and I remember listening very recently to, um, to I can't remember what top, top 10 it was, but you were saying you could watch the opening of There Will Be Blood. And based on that one, I went back and watched it and it I was did- just like, Bloody hell, it's, it is incredible. Um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. couldn't agree. Yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis, what an actor. Okay, that was your number seven. My number seven uh, is somebody that you mentioned a little bit earlier on, and it's Christopher Nolan. Ah. So I, I had to put him in. Um, I'm not a massive fan of The Dark Knight Rises. I think that movie is more holes than a colander um, in, in, the, in the plot, and, and it... And it irritates me when i start thinking about it so i will not think about it hungry <laughs> yeah I, I do because it's just ridiculous it, none of it none of it makes sense and i yeah. don't know how someone like see i've put him in my in my top 10 to praise him and i'm gonna shit all over him now <laughs> christopher nolan you're wonderful but um I, there's so many things that he set up what could have been the absolutely perfect trilogy it didn't matter what what you know whether it's superhero or or whatever you know you've got um oh, what's the first one called oh uh, just the dark knight i think the dark knight was the second one. Oh, sorry sorry batman, batman begins Be- sorry batman, batman begins the dark knight you know you've got an iconic joker performance um with heath ledger in the in the dark knight and then to drop the ball so badly on this on the third one with yeah. stuff that doesn't make sense, nothing makes sense. You know, got somebody that 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 wants to, you know, be a not necessarily wants to be a superhero, but is a superhero, and then decides to have a bit of a hissy fit because he's hurt his back. Oh, poor Bruce Wayne. Oh, poor boy. And I just, you know, there's so much that just doesn't make any sense on it. And then he lets poor Alfred think that he's dead. You know, I've failed you. I've oh, failed you, Master Bruce. Now. He literally the, has a nervous breakdown. Exactly. The poor bastard is crying at the grave and going, oh, I've let you down, Master Bruce. I've let you down. And he fucks off on holiday with his with his bit of stuff <laughs> just so that he can catch him while he's having a drink. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Jesus Christ, Christopher Nolan. He's number seven in my top ten. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but Memento is a, gr- you know, it's a great movie. Um, I can remember watching that the first time and I didn't know anything about it. And I f- genuinely thought there was something wrong with my kids, my DVD player. I genuinely thought there was it was skipping like the wrong uh, sections, you know, the wrong chapters. So I thought none of this makes fucking sense until you get to the end of the scene and you're like, oh, right, okay. So that's answering what that is. I mean, if you've never watched Memento, don't find anything out about it. Just watch it because it is a total mindfuck. 
Do you know what I mean? You've got you. It's it's so good. It's so well written. It's so well, um, well acted. Um, I thoroughly recommend anybody. Like I say, don't find out anything about it if you've never heard about it. Just watch Memento. It is such a good movie. Um, totally agree. I, I, and the the only reason he didn't get in there was purely on Tenet. And then Opp- Oppen, I was, I mean, without any, I'm not spoiling anything here, but Oppenheimer. Maybe I'm missing something. I need to watch it again. But my God. I, I went with such high expectations, almost the opposite of Napoleon. I went in with such low expectations. Oh, really? Wow, this is really cool. I went in there going, wow, this is this is going to be great. And it's just lots of people talking in rooms. Oh, right, okay. That's it. See, that's what a lot of people were saying was so great about it. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe it's just me. But I tell you what, it, it, it was enough, Tenet and that was enough to nudge him out. From really? Me. But really? having said that, if we ignore all that, I am right there with you. I, mm. I love Memento. I love The Dark Knight. I love Batman Begins. Um, I love um, uh, what's it called? Where they go into the dreams? Um, Interstellar. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, well, I, oh, I love Interstellar. Inception. Actually. Inception, of course. I yeah. Interstellar. I love Interstellar. I've grown to love Interstellar actually much more. Um, but yeah, I just yeah, they, they nudged him out for me. Yeah. All right. The Prestige is another great one. Oh, the Prestige is fantastic. It's Thank it's you. so good. It's it's got such a oh, great man. twist to it. Um, and again, Christian Bale again in that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's done some great work. Again, we went to see Tenant at the cinema, and that was was that that was when well, not we weren't at in lockdown, but obviously the whole COVID thing was still going on. So everybody was. Oh, we can we can go out to the cinema. Let's go to the cinema, and we you couldn't hear what the people were talking. Yes, oh, I know. The the music was just so loud, and it was like everybody was looking in the in the in the the audience, going, "Can you can you hear that? Can you hear what they're saying?" No, nope, I've got a clue. Got no idea. I know, and I I just found um, it's, I think it's Denzel Washington's son, isn't it? I That's just right. found the just the charisma vacuum in the movie. I was just I, I wasn't with him. I thought um, I thought Robert Pattinson was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, good. but it was like but, they were trying to be too clever. It was almost like Christopher Nolan was saying, "Look how clever I am. Look how stupid you are. I'm cleverer than you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, he didn't have Jonathan Nolan, who's his mm. one collaborator. I don't think he had him on that movie. No, and he, he obviously is a bit of a George Lucas where he just needs to be. Someone needs to go. You know, Chris, just yeah. rein it in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Again, sorry to shit all over you, Chris. <laughs> you are my number seven. I've done nothing but have a go at you, but you're a great, great I'll director. You're number seven, but yeah, <laughs> not there. Oh dear. Anyway, uh, so your number six was Francis Ford Coppola. Yes. Uh, my number six was Alfred Hitchcock. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So it's now time for this. Pop quiz, hot shot. Yes, pop quiz, hot shot. So I'm going to give you three movies, all directed by the same person. You need to tell me who directed them. Okay. Are you ready? I'm, I think so. Let me make sure I got the right. No, it's not that one. It's that one if you get it wrong. Okay, here we go. So we have The Magnificent Ambersons, Macbeth, and Touch of Evil. Oh, God. I've definitely heard of a touch of evil. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I will. Yes. Who's? Oh God! Who's the guy that did? Who the guy? Who's the guy that plays the the modern version of um the detective who is. I shouldn't shouldn't I'm asking the questions, not you. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to be answering the questions. Do you mean Kenneth Branagh? Yes. No, it's, it's not, not it's not Kenneth Branagh, no. I don't know. I don't no. know. It was Orson Wells. Oh bloody hell, of course. There you go. Okay, number two. Blue Velvet, Mulholland Drive, and Twin Peaks. David Lynch. Well done. One out of two. Number three. Shadows, faces. A woman under the influence. <laughs> I've never heard of any of those. <laughs> so, or does that just sound like a Friday night out, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> Words. <laughs> Shadows, faces, and under the influence. Okay, right. Um, I'm going to. Faces. I I don't I don't know I don't know. It was John Cassavetes. Oh really? There you go. Was he the actor that was in the God? No, no, it wasn't him. No, that's John Cazale. No, that is mind. no, it wasn't him. No. Okay. Uh, number four: Brief Encounter, Oliver Twist, and Doctor Zhivago. Oh Christ! Again, I'm, I don't know. It was David Lean. Also did Passage to India as well. Um, these are quite old directors as well. So. No, it's fine. No, no, it's fine. Okay, number five, Metropolis, M, and The Big Heat. Oh, God. This is... It's not... Oh, God. Metropolis. It's not Werner Herzog, is it? It's not. It's Fritz Lang. It's like, oh, Fritz it was, Lang. Uh, I, number six, Repulsion, The Tenant, and Frantic. 
No clue. No, that was Roman Polanski. Frantic, starring Harrison Ford. Great movie, that is, if you ever get a chance to see that one. Uh, number seven, The Master, Punch Drunk Love and Phantom Thread. Paul Thomas Anderson. Yay! <laughs> number eight, The Kid, City Lights and The Great Dictator. I know the kid. This is an oldie, isn't it? It is an oldie. Uh, it's not Orson Welles, is it? No, because we had Orson Welles at number one. That was ah. the magnificent Amberson's Macbeth. This is Charlie Chaplin. Oh, that's ah, Charlie yes. Chaplin. Uh, number nine, Stagecoach, The Searchers, and The Grapes of Wrath. Hmm. I've been very un unfair to you because these are all quite old. Oh, no, no, that's fine. That's okay. No? Okay, fair um, enough. Yeah, test me, test me. Um, <laughs> test me and defeat me. <laughs> um, if it's, if it's the, it sounds... Is that John Ford? Well done. It is John Ford. Yeah. Well done. And the final one, body double, blowout and carry. Oh, God. Roman Polanski? Oh, no, God. Brian De Palma. Palmer. Oh. Brian De Palma. So that was thirty percent. You got thirty percent right, but they were they were some tough ones. They were some yeah. tough ones, but well done, well done anyway. I think the 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 John Ford one. I would say I wouldn't have got that. There's a lot of yeah. them I wouldn't have got. Again, I just have this sort of like thing where I reach into my brain and pull something out of nowhere. But seven seventy percent of the time that didn't happen. Then, no, it so. didn't. <laughs> Well, to be honest, twenty percent of the time you gave me answers that we'd already had. So I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, you, there, there you go. If we're going to really go into the statistics, <laughs> okay. Let's have your number five then, please, Rick. Okay, I'm just. Um, I've got a list on my computer and it keeps shutting down. So oh there. dear. All right. So my number five is um, the Coen Brothers. Oh yes. Yeah. So um, again, Big Lebowski, Fargo, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou. No country for old men, blood simple, Dot and Fink. They just they just have this knack of making these movies that are so strange mm. and yet so watchable. Um I remember the first time I watched The Big Lebowski, I was I was a little bit like, I don't really know what to make of that. And I also don't understand why people love it so much. And then I rewatched it and I watched it again and again. And I was like, Yeah, it's got something about it. And they have this that, that I think that's their knack of having something that is so intangibly watchable. And No Country for Old Men, again, it's one of those movies where essentially it's a horror movie, yeah. really, with a guy stalking, you know, the people who are trying to, you know, chase him and then the, this this MacGuffin of the money and everything. I just think they have this knack of just writing incredibly strange movies and I just can't, I, just, I can't really put my finger on why I like them, but yeah, I think they're very, very talented guys. I think I think you're right. I think the, the, the thing with them is it's very hard to see that the people that made Oh Brother, Where Art Thou are the same people that made No Country for Old Men. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're two, they're two completely, like, both ends of a scale. Yeah. I love um, uh, uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou. There's something about that movie. It's got such a style. But again, it's got some quite scary bits in it as well. Um, yeah. But again, No Country for Old Men is another one of those movies that like you, got, you could just watch just for just for the villain if anything else it's just for the villain what a performance that is and oh. also the weapon of choice of having um it was a cow oh yeah the, the cow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, poker poker thing whatever it is. 
wrestler thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, and then you got Raised in Arizona as well, just like a madcap, crazy thing. But yeah, they should have been in my top ten. They I think been. I think that's sort of like the masters of very Americana kind of like odd Americana movies. Yes. Um, even if you watch Barton Fink, I mean, that, that that just turns into some sort of hellish... It starts normally and it turns into like a descent in hell, basically. Mm-hmm. And they've almost got a muse, like Scorsese's got... Um, he had, well, he had Robert De Niro and then he had um, uh, Leo DiCaprio, but but these guys have got John Goodman for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Like a little bit of a muse for them, you know, in several movies. And they just, I don't know, they're just, they're just, a, they're very peculiar directors and I quite like that peculiarity about them. Mm. I mean, I don't, I haven't got him in my top 10. I don't know if he's in the rest of yours, but I find that Wes Anderson is like a, a little stem off of the Coen Brothers multiverse. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That same kind of just like the quirkiness of it and yeah, just the way that certain shots are shot and uh, the colours and stuff. You, but you, you're a Wes Anderson fan. I do like Wes Anderson. I do. Yeah. I mean, I I haven't seen all of his thing movies, but like the Darjeeling Limited and the Grand Budapest Hotel, I think are two great films. Yeah, yeah. And again, he's another one of those movie movie directors that it's the little details that kind of drag you in. Um, yeah. Which I'll again I'll talk about with one of the ones I've got left, but uh, but that's a good one. Okay, my number five um, maybe should be higher, but I'm going to go for Stanley Kubrick at number five. Okay, so Kubrick is my number four. He's your number four. Okay, um, he's he's. I mean, again, he's one of these iconic ones that I think without him, a lot of other directors just wouldn't have followed in his path. Hundred And I think also think he's kind of he's definitely one of these ones. If you ever see the room, I can never remember the number. The room two four seven or whatever the direct the. Who's that? It's a documentary about The Shining that, that oh, they, these, right, yeah. The, yeah, that these fans put together. And they're saying about everything in a frame of a Kubrick movie means something. So yeah. so things are on a shelf. They're not just put there willy-nilly. They are, every single one of them is there for a reason. If there's a face on a can, it's pointing in a direction because there's something in that direction. And the way people stand, they're standing in a way that something is in front of them and it looks like a phallic symbol. You know, they stood there with this, whatever it is, big tree or potted palm in front of them and it looks like a big erection, you know, <laughs> which I've tried to put into my own normal life. You know, anytime there's a big <laughs> yeah. potted pl- palm, I'll try and stand in front of it. <laughs> never works, never works. Um, but that's what I like about Kubrick is like, you know, you you have to, you can't have a Kubrick movie on in the background while you're doing something else you've got to watch a Kubrick movie. You know, every single scene, every single second means something. So you've, you've got to be switched on for that kind of stuff. But uh, but what about you? Totally agree. I, I um, Yeah, I mean, he's, like you say, he's my number four. So um, I just think the, Sh- the Shining, I think, is just, it's just fucking terrifying, isn't it, really? And just like you say, like every, every you know, he's meticulous, isn't he? He's mm. meticulous basically and even to the point of um like you say that the documentary behind the shining and room you know what was it room 241 whatever it is 247 yeah. something like that yeah um but rewrites on set and making shelly duvall literally lose her shit like with take after take after take after take yeah. he's one of those guys again is the, the the running theme here is that the directors that we've chosen are basically bastards but, yeah. 
Um, but, you know, you, you've got to be dedicated to the craft, I guess. Um, they know what they have in their mind that they want to yeah. see. And that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I just think I totally agree with you. Like everything is so meticulously, almost Wes Anderson, like like meticulously put in the frame. But, um, but you know, not not centered, <laughs> but, you know, everything's mm. put in the frame for a reason. Um, and every reaction and every sort of thing that they they did, uh, the actors the actors did is for a reason. Even with um, with Jack Nicholson, do, do you know there's like a little story about him when he's trying to smash through the door in The Shining, and he used to be like a volunteer sort of fireman, so he can use an axe and he can smash through doors. So they gave him a, like a fake door, and he smashed through the door dead easily. And they went, oh, okay, let's get a real door then. <laughs> yeah. and then okay, keep going, keep going. He smashed through the door. Um, but I just think, yeah. I just think he's he's amazing and Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, you know all of them. It's, it's, you, you don't you don't get that type of spiky cinematic meticulousness without him. Do you? No, no. Two thousand and one, Space Odyssey. Yeah, you know you can you can reel all these movies off, and it's like it's iconic after iconic after iconic. I know we don't it, like it, using it, the it. I word, but uh, yep. it absolutely is. Um, okay, so that was uh, my number five. So Kubrick was your number four. And uh, Ridley Scott was my number four. So right. it's back to you for your number three. Okay, so my number three is Quentin Tarantino. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to gauge your reaction. <laughs> okay, um, why? <laughs> why is it number three? Number three, because I feel like um, early Quentin Tarantino, and we're talking Reservoir Dogs, we're talking Pulp Fiction, we're talking Jackie Brown, I think... If he'd have carried on in that vein of those movies, I would have. And, you know, obviously we've got Inglourious Bastards, I think, is is in there as well. I would put that up there, maybe not as high as those three, but pretty much up there. If he'd have carried on with that, I would be talking about him as possibly the greatest director and writer of movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, I think he's, he's gone off a little bit into a little bit flabbiness, overwriting things, movies a bit too long. Um, you know, I wasn't a massive fan of Django. I I thought it was okay. I thought it was good. Um, Kill Bill, I liked. I thought it was good. But then the Grindhouse thing, I was like, mm. um, and then um, what was the one where they're in the cabin? I can't remember the uh, Hateful Eight. Oh yeah. So so again, it, I thought it was okay. So I just think he's he's it, he's been a bit hit and miss recently. Having said that, Pulp Fiction is. I, I struggle to. We talk about you. Well, you guys talk about perfect movies. Pulp Fiction is perfection. I think it's just absolute perfection. Jackie Brown is pretty much there as well. And then you got Reservoir Dogs and just this guy coming on the scene and talking about you know like a virgin. You're, you're talking about people, and I just think, my God, this dialogue is just absolutely fucking insanely good. And you're watching it going. They're talking about nothing. They're talking about stuff we talk about. Yeah, which is ridiculous burgers. You know. He's dick, 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 dick. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think, wow, um, he's he's insanely good. Um, and he's number three because there's I just think there's two other people who are slightly better than he is. But um, but that's not to say that I don't think he is an absolute behemoth of cinema. So mm. what 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 a fantastic director he is. Mm. I'm gonna break the protocol here. Oh okay. okay. Um he's my number one. Well, okay, think... Tarantino is my number one because I've got two others obviously in my in my top three, and no matter how good they are as directors, I don't think Tarantino has made 
a bad movie or even a mediocre movie. Yeah. I absolutely love everything that he's done. Like <laughs> even Death Proof. Death Proof has got one of the greatest eating scenes ever is when Kurt Russell is at the bar eating nachos and his hands and his face are all greasy and it's crispy and crunchy and slimy. I fucking love eating scenes for some reason. I just do. And there's something about Tarantino and his writing, like like you said about the Hateful Eight. I I it didn't feel like a three hour movie to me. I mean, it felt like you were watching a play to start with because it's sort of set in one place. Yeah. I love the the minuteness of his writing and the minusculeness and just I, I, it's hard to explain. But it's just the fact that he will take, like you said about the the, the Reservoir Dogs eating scene, the breakfast yeah. scene. It's just shit that everybody talks about. Yeah, if I was to try and write a scene like that, it would be, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm okay. You all right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> and it'd be boring, you know? But he writes it and you're sucked in straight away. You know, it doesn't matter what scene. I can remember watching Pulp Fiction and after re watching Reservoir Dogs, I can remember the scene when Bruce Willis goes up to, he's just been, spoilers for anybody that's, that's not watched Pulp Fiction, but he's just escaped from, he's got Zed's motorbike and he goes back to go and collect his girlfriend and the camera is set at the bottom of the apartment and it doesn't go, it doesn't cut, so you go up to, Bruce Willis goes up to the top to go and get his girlfriend and every second of that I'm thinking someone's going to come out in a minute and shoot them because he's just left the camera there. There's no cuts to what's happening. You think you're going to see blam, blam in a minute and you're on the edge of your seat because you're thinking someone's going to get killed in a minute. And nothing happens. He just gets his girlfriend. They get on the back of the bike and Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. And off he goes. And that's the beauty is that Tarantino plays with your emotions. Your first five minutes of Kill Bill. It's fucking horrific. Oh, yeah. You know, you've got the bride getting shot in the head after being told that, oh, Bill, it's your baby. You think, fuck, what the fuck's going to happen now? Yeah. It's, it's, he's, he is so good at what he does yeah. um and th the other two people that are in my top three are masters at their game but they've had times when they've not done such great movies i yeah. had to put tarantino at top because for me which is very rare but he is 100 percent hit rate 100 percent. oh i mean i mean that absolutely look respect all, all power to you respect for putting him there i mean it's this is a top the personal top 10 isn't absolutely it? absolutely yeah, yeah. And, and to be honest with you it, sh it is shades like in, when we get to the top three of anything, you're talking shade. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely, I adore him, and I, I've got his screenplay actually. Um, I've got a booklet screenplay of Pulp Fiction that I thumb through, and it's like the the actual dialogue when you read it on a page for some reason has this has more of a a resonance with you. In like yeah. when you TV, like when you're watching, you know, a movie on TV, you're listening to the dialogue and it's fantastic. But when you when you're reading on the page, you're going, "Oh God, yeah, he wrote this." You know what I mean? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think if you read something like that, it's, I don't think it's too grand to say. It's like, it's modern day Shakespeare. Oh, no, it is. It's absolutely it, it's, fantastic. It's, it's just, you could read it as a story. And yeah, it, uh, yeah. yeah. Tarantino, so. is, Tarantino is best, can cut cut to the, the human, the truth of, of who we are, basically. Yeah. What we talk about at the times we talk about them and how we react to things and why we react to things and the things we say. Mm. He is, I don't think anyone else can do that. No. 
and he can rewrite history perfectly as well. You know, mean, killing Hitler and saving it? Sharon Tate and all those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I, I've gone a little bit there about my number one, but my number three um, is Martin Scorsese. Ah, so that is my number two. That's your number two. Yeah. Now, again, you just start reeling off the, the movies that he's done. It's ridiculous. It yeah. is absolutely ridiculous. Um, again, he's somebody that apparently loves to take, you know, do more than two or three takes. He likes to do 30 or 40 takes, but he knows what he wants to get. And I think, um, I think again, like you said, um, you look at him, his muse was Robert De Niro. Now it's more Leonardo DiCaprio. I haven't watched uh, Killers of the Flower Moon yet, but I'm, no. have you not seen it yet? No. Right. Okay. Um, but again, it's supposed to be fantastic. Um, I think just the name and the movies that he's done puts him in the top 10. It's just where in the top 10 you're going to put him, or um, basically where in the top five or top three you're going to put him as as a director. So, um, I mean, he's one higher than, uh, than me, so uh, fire away, Rick. Yeah, I just, I'd, I, think, I think I was just... Um... I watched the Mean Streets uh, quite a while ago, like a long time ago, and and this is supposed to be a young director, and he always he always has this he has this knack of sort of weaving very visceral visuals and religion and violence and um, again Tarantino esque, I guess, in the way his dialogue flows and and he just. Again, I've, I haven't really seen a director use um, popular culture songs. I mean, his his back catalogue of songs must just be absolutely insane. Like, he must be mm. just really, like, you, you give him a song and he'll just be like, yeah, that was this year and it was this artist. So he he's the needle drop type thing with him is just unbelievably good. He can, he and it, sometimes it can be a bit on the nose, but a lot of the times you sort of go, oh my God, yeah, of course you played that song over this bit because... So for me, it's almost a visual and a, an, an aural sort of thing with him where it's almost, he paints a world for you in a very, very, um, you can almost chew it. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so sort of there for you. I can't really explain it. It's, um, I just think he's fantastic. And, and even when he's gotten older, I mean, the, 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 apparently The uh, Departed, it almost killed him. Like he, it's, he did so much work on that and he, he worked so hard on it. Um, and I don't really know any other director that um, that can just sort of command a movie. And it's a Scorsese movie, but you park that and you watch the movie. Whereas I feel like with someone like with Wes Anderson, it's like, this is definitely a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. And I'm over the head with the fact it's a Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. Scorsese, it's like, oh, this is definitely Scorsese because it's choppy. He's He's gone slow motion here. And then he's gone over here, and then he's done this in a in a different type of frame rate, and he's gone over there, and he's done, and you just go, yeah, that's fine. So he mixes all these different styles together, and I just I, I think he's phenomenally good. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I was just looking on um, IMDb, and you go from uh, Alice doesn't live here anymore, Taxi Driver, The Last Waltz, Raging Bull, King of Comedy, Ball, yeah. After King Hours, of- The Color of Money, <sighs> then he, then he directs the Michael Jackson Bad video. <laughs> the Last Temptation of Christ, then Goodfellas, Cape Fear, Age of Innocence, Casino. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's just, it's Gangs of New York, which is a great movie. Um, the Departed, then you've got Shutter Island, another great one. I mean, right. Wolf of Wall Street is just, 
It's, it's, it's a crazy movie, but it's so good. Yeah, it's, he's, he's mesmerizing in the fact that, and he's so, he's, he's getting on now as well. And, and it's yeah. not like there's any spring chicken when he was doing Wolf of Wall Street. Exactly. Or, you know, all that stuff. And I just think, I'm, I'm just in awe of the guy, really. I think he's, he's forgotten, like the, the classic thing, he's forgotten more than anyone else will remember about making a movie. And you just think, wow, yeah. But not only just making a movie, like creating a, creating a, a feeling and, and a theme about things. It's just mm. unreal. And it's not even like, 90 minute movies that he's making he's making like these three and a half hour epics absolutely you know the irishman wasn't you know wasn't a little ditty was it that was a that was an epic movie as well yeah, but, it, was, uh, it was one you basically had to park the rest of your week to watch basically yeah, yeah absolutely but, um, and, he, and he has had a few misses he has had a few sort of like bum notes for me but but just on 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 the whole and on on the fact that he's just continually been so prolific i think yeah what a guy yeah, yeah. completely agree um okay so my number two uh is spielberg uh i've got him at number two the main i mean look spielberg is somebody that i have grown up with and the the, the certain section of his cool bloody hell, that was windy jesus <laughs> <laughs> the certain section of his career is basically my childhood you know is what i grew up you've got et raiders all of those movies um and will forever mean you know so much to me i've kind of drifted away from what he's done over the last probably couple of decades really yeah. there's that have not really you know saving private ryan and that kind of stuff i thought was fantastic but there's so many of his movies over the last at least 10 15 years that i've not even seen yeah so that's the reason that i couldn't put him at number 1 he yeah. is to me one you know he's the second greatest director of all time so you know but it's just the fact that Tarantino has got that hit rate for me. Um, Spielberg will always be um, the same as, I mean, people know that I'm a massive Star Wars fan. They're probably wondering why George Lucas isn't, uh, you know, in my top 10. We all know that George Lucas isn't a brilliant director. But he's not, no, he's not a great director. He's not even a great writer. That's the thing. No, he's not. He's a a world builder. Yeah. 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 So you couldn't put him in, you know, I would gladly have Gerald Thomas above George Lucas in the top 10 directors. It's just simple as that um but spielberg will always be somebody that is like close to my heart so i i have to have him in there and i think he's just tipped by tarantino's hit rate it just is okay before we reveal uh well rick before you reveal your number one because i've already done mine um can you give us a countdown between uh, 10 and 2 i can so my number 10 was ridley scott my number nine was james cameron my number eight was alfred hitchcock my number seven was Paul Thomas Anderson. Six, Francis Ford Coppola. Five, the Coen brothers. Four, Stanley Kubrick. Three, Quentin Tarantino. And number two was uh, Martin Scorsese. Lovely. And mine is number 10, Gerald Thomas. Nine, Edgar Wright. Eight, Francis Ford Coppola. Seven, Christopher Nolan. Six, Alfred Hitchcock. Five, Stanley Kubrick. Four, Ridley Scott three martin scorsese and two steven spielberg so rick who is your number one director i think it's probably going to be no surprise because he's not been mentioned in my entire top 10 uh it's steven spielberg okay uh, so we've got the same top three we've got the same top three it's just, yeah. just in a slightly different order but uh, as we say it's interchangeable really isn't it yeah On i think any so given day it's kind of like well i'd put this guy at number one but i mean come on like et 
Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, and Schindler's List in the same year, which is just crazy. Ridiculous. Jaws, Close Encounters, um, Minority Report, which I love, Saving Private. I, I could go on and on, but I yeah. just like you're saying, he is my childhood. Um, he is, um, and it is an emotional thing for me. I think he's just, he he's just, he's 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 so good. Like I remember watching a bit of Minority Report, and there was there was an action scene. And I remember reading something in um, like a movie, you know, book or magazine. It was like, you know, whenever you have an action scene, whenever you have any type of fight scene or any action scene, it has to develop the characters or show something about, you know, the characters or 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 push the narrative forward either way. It can't just be an action scene for action scene's sake, which is which is what a lot of movies do nowadays. Yeah. And and he's fighting this guy, and the little flourishes that Spielberg does in the in these scenes where like he 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 puts on the the pack and they fire through the the top of this this apartment and then they they toast the burgers as they're going up and I'm just like that is so Spielberg to do mm. those little ticks those little visual ticks much like Tarantino does like you know the 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 writing ticks Spielberg does those little visual flourishes yeah um and I just it's Steven Spielberg I mean I don't really know what else to say he's, yeah he's, and and just like you say, I know Tarantino's your number one, and I completely, I, I completely respect that as well because I think he's phenomenal. But um, yeah, it's uh, you know, the, there's that little thing of when when you're making a movie, and people go, you know, all right, Spielberg, it's <laughs> spectacular now, isn't it? You know, so it's just incredible. Mm. Yeah, I think that that thing you're talking about, that I think it's called Spielberg magic, right? But, you know, because like the I, the one thing that the new Indiana Jones movie lacked. Was that Spielberg magic? What new Indiana Jones movie? You well, about? you know, we, <laughs> we can go on about that as well. But it, but that is the thing. It's it's he has that thing, and I think like people like J.J. Abrams, they try to emulate that. They try and have those little moments that, little camera movements that you think, yeah, he's trying to be Spielberg there. You know, yeah. Super Eight is a great example of that. That's his love letter oh. to Spielberg. So right. You know, it's it, uh, but and I don't think anybody can do Spielberg like Spielberg. And the trouble is, I think, is that like his last few movies, even those haven't been as Spielberg y as, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I agree with you. He has dropped off. He said, he, what is he, 70? How old is he now? Oh, I don't know. I can find out for you. Yeah, I think he's in his, I think he's 74 or something or 76, something like that. He's got to be getting up there, hasn't he? I would have thought, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I mean, I can't even remember the last movie that I've, uh, you know, as in the latest movie. So he's born in 1946. Let's do some quick math. Let's do some quick math. 1946, 1944-74-77. Visual flourish moments in that and storytelling moments. Um, but I just think for me, you know, E.T., Indiana Jones, Jurassic Park, Jaws, they've sort of entered this popular culture, you know, sphere, almost very Star Wars esque. And obviously, you know, George Lucas is a close buddy of his as well. So, yeah. you know, they've got that sort of sensibility, that visual sensibility. But, um, but yeah, that's my number one. There you go. I mean, look at it. Jaws, Close Encounters, 1941, which obviously wasn't a big hit. Raiders, E.T., Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Color Purple, Empire of the Sun, Last Crusade. It's just, it was an amazing, like you say, Jurassic Park and Schindler's List all in 1993. I mean, that's that's enough to mess your brain up, isn't it, to do those two movies in the same year? Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, if there if there is a name that is that should have the icon, but you know, iconic, but by, by it, it is Spielberg. But yeah, uh, yeah. I think it, you're absolutely right. They can be interchangeable um, I think, like very I, I, easily. I think our top three, just like you, I mean, it, it's Scorsese, Spielberg, and Tarantino. The, yeah. Those basic, they're all kind of honorary number ones, aren't they? Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're on. Uh, oh Christ! What's the name of the thing with the the president's heads? Mount oh, Rushmore. Yeah. They're the Mount Rushmore of uh, directors. There you go. Ah, <laughs> uh, see. Okay, we've got some honorable mentions. Uh, Doug Simpson uh, says Alfonso Cuarón, Edgar Wright, Martin Scorsese, Christopher Nolan, Steven Spielberg, Alfred Hitchcock, Ridley Scott, James Cameron, John Favreau, and Quentin Tarantino. At MPG underscore nineteen eighty says uh, all time it has to be between Spielberg and Scorsese. But Denis Villeneuve is a worth a mention, hasn't made a bad movie. I mean, June, did you see the June movie? Oh, June, yeah, it was good. That yeah. was incredible, absolutely. And then the Blade Runner uh, sequel was pretty good that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nikki Dennis says, welcome back, Pav. Oh, thank you, Nikki. Uh, here's mine, Chuck Jones, the director of iconic, yes, animated films such as What's Opera, Doc, and Duck, Amuck. Okay, I'll take your word for that, <laughs> Nikki. Billy Wilder, Some Like It Hot, Sunset Boulevard. I mean, that's a great one. Uh, Taika Waititi, Nancy Myers, or Myers, The Holiday, and Greta Gerwig for Barbie. Erin Peterson says, welcome back. Thank you, Erin. Uh, and my fave is Tim Burton. So that's going to be interesting this year when Beetlejuice 2 comes up to see just how good that's going to be. I hope it's good. I hope so. It's. I mean, it's got a lot stacked against it. It really has, but I do hope it's good. Uh, Janine Bender says, welcome back. Thank you, Janine. My fave has to be John Hughes. I mean, that's an 80s one. That is, wow. Kareen Pasta, welcome back. Thank you, Kareen. Okay, I like uh, the last couple of films by him. So going a bit outside the box with Yorgos Lanthimos. He did The Favourite and Poor Things. That's the movie that I want to see is Poor Things. That's the uh, Emma Stone one. Have you not seen that? No. No? Uh, that's uh, all right calm down <laughs> that's the one where she's like a, a frankenstein's monster kind of thing with mark ruffalo ruffalo yeah oh, it's you know i've never I, I genuinely don't know what that is do you know it's it's i think it's got 11 oscar nominations that was nominated that was, as we were recording this was announced today um and apparently i haven't seen it yet but it's supposed to have like a really really graphic sex scene in it oh okay Ah, now he's interested. Now Rick's interested. <laughs> uh, Corinne says, I'm kind of into quirky films at the moment. Okay, right. Uh, Cindy Truman Bush says, welcome back. Thank you, Cindy. Uh, Wes Anderson is my favourite. And Jill Het says, I'm a Wes Anderson fan myself. So there you go. We've done it, Rick. We've done right. it. I think, is this your, this is your hat trick um, no, appearance? You're, four, you're on four now as well. Yeah, yeah. We need to start giving out like, medals for all the people that are here for like more than two or three times, you know. Um, uh, so thank you very much, Rick. Um, all of the stuff you need to find out are in the show notes. I'm not going to go through it all because Neil does that far too well. And I'm just going to waffle on for another five minutes. Just look in the show notes. Everything is there for Patreon to uh, social media and all that gubbins. Just look in the show notes. There you go. Uh, Rick. Thank you so much for joining us, mate. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for your um, support. Uh, it really, it means the world to us. And I, I, I promise I won't cry. But uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, mate. No worries, mate. It was really good to be on. Thank you for coming.
Good. We'll have you back again. We've got to see if we can get you up to like six, five or six appearances. Maybe going. do something musically next time or something. So if you don't want to do movies. And, and no, I'm, I'm quite, I am a massive movie buff, though. So I'll, no, I'll, I'll, I'll try and branch out. I'll try and branch out for you. I'm happy to carry on doing movies, mate. It's always a pleasure no matter what. Uh, once again, thank you very much, Rick. Thank you. And thank you very much, everybody, for watching and listening. Now let's go start the countdown. Great movies need great actors, great scripts and all that stuff. But having a great director behind the camera can make great movies into classics. A great director can make a bad movie, okay? And to be fair, directors can also make... Oh, fucking hell, let me do that again. <laughs> what, a, what, a great, what a great start. Fuck me. Oh, there's a blooper for the end of the episode. We'll put that at the end of the Okay, take two. <laughs> great movies need great actors and scripts and all that stuff, but having a great director behind the camera can make great movies into classics. A great director can make a bad movie, okay. And to be fair, great directors also make bad... That's fucking... That doesn't make sense. Hang on. A great director can make a bad movie... Oh, right, I see. I get it. A great director can make a bad movie okay. Not a great director can make a bad movie okay. okay. No, that's not what I meant. Oh, fuck me. All right. Third time's a charm. It's all good. Take three. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.